can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. G'day folks, Peter here. Welcome back to Mondays Down Under on the Talking Pools podcast, where today, for something different, I'm joined by Wayne all the way over from sunny Baltimore. G'day Wayne, how are you? <laughs> Doing really good over here, but it's not sunny, it's raining oh, right now. that's no good. <laughs> We've, uh, we're very much getting into spring weather here at the moment, so last few days have been blue skies and sunshine, and Wednesday... Coming up, we're set for about an inch of rain, which doesn't help. Uh, yeah, well, we've got that Hurricane Leo coming up. Right. The Atlantic coast, that massive hurricane. So they don't know how it's going to affect things like tides, rain, things like that. But that won't be for another few days. But right now, this is just your typical common everyday rain. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Well, I wish you all the best as the uh, hurricane approaches. Hope you don't suffer Thank any you. Uh, Thank anything you. negative from that one. Uh, I'm a- yeah. Yeah, well, we're kind of lucky where where, uh, where where I sit, because hurricanes usually don't get that far up the coast. Okay. Normally, it's like Florida and you know from North Carolina on down. But we've had hurricanes before in the past, and it's usually where they turn left when they shouldn't, yep. <laughs> and go up the Chesapeake Bay. And I'm right on the bay, at the top of it. So, and then the tides come in and push the water up the bay rather than out the bay. It's complicated and stupid, but. Yeah, it's rare, but we do get yeah. them. You, you can't predict the weather, no matter how hard they try. No. no. <laughs> no. Uh, must mention, for our listeners, Shane's not with us today. One of the big challenges we face at Talking Pools, because we are international, is time zones. Uh, so for me, it is currently half past nine on Sunday night. For Wayne, it's half past nine in the morning on Sunday. For Shane, it's half past one in the morning. Right. So he's away in the land of Nod, <laughs> unless his uh, baby's keeping him up. Uh, we have another question from a, uh, from a listener. Uh, question from David. This is actually the third question I've had from someone named David. Hmm. So that's, that's an interesting one. Um, to summarise... <laughs> it's either a lot of David's or this guy David really doesn't know. Well, <laughs> one or the other. Uh... Okay, summarising it. Um, hi, I have a difficult and to me somewhat perplexing challenge with a couple of spas I look after. Uh, first, the setting up of the air handling and spa is not as ideal as perhaps it should be. We've all seen that before. Uh, in effect, there is a corridor some six metres or so in length. That's just shy of 20 feet. Uh, and this has treatment rooms off either side. So being treatment rooms, I'm going to assume it's some type of medical or therapy type facility. Uh, the end of the corridor Agreed. is a circular space which houses the spa itself. Mechanical ventilation over the spa directly, I'm told, achieves 10 litres per second per square metre. Do you want me to translate that into American measurements, Wayne? 
No, you got no, it? I got okay. it. I got it. I got it. No, uh, that's required by our local statutes, uh, wherever local may be. Uh, not actually certain what continent David is on. Uh, however, the balance of the space is not well ventilated, and I'm inclined to believe there is no exhaust within the space. I'm reliably informed the construction of the building doesn't allow modifications to the mechanical systems. To assist with managing this spa and air quality, the installation contractors have set the spas up as bromine spas with BCMDH tablets as the bromine source. Please note, to the best of my understanding, only BCMDH is approved for pool use in our jurisdiction. Bromine is not widely used in our state. I manage three out of four water bodies using bromine. The other water body is a lightly loaded hospital pool. So there you go. That could well be in a hospital there, and does not have the challenges these two spas present. I understand the other water body is a spa installed at a gym, and last I heard it was likely being abandoned as too difficult to manage. Uh, The equipment setup is female spa, pump, booster pump, filter, ultraviolet, blower, ORP slash pH chemical controller, tablet erosion feeder controlled by solenoid, and a gas heater. I have never to this day seen a tablet erosion feeder controlled by a solenoid, but it makes sense. Uh, Erosion feeders aren't a very popular thing over here. I've got now, I think, four pools with them on. That's Mm. that's it. Uh, Male spa, Mm. pump, booster pump, filter, ultraviolet, blower, amperometric pH chemical controller, tablet erosion feeder controlled by solenoid and a gas heater. Uh, the above is not intended as a schematic, but as a list. If a schematic is helpful, let me know. I can have drafting to make one. Within our legislative framework, the following chemical parameters are required to be maintained for BCMDH water bodies. Uh, bromine lower is four parts per million. No upper level is specified. Uh, DMH level, no lower, ideally zero. Uh, upper is 200 parts per million pH 7.2 to 8, total alkalinity 60 to 200, calcium hardless 50 to 400, and TDS maximum 3,000. I'm sorry, that's my alarm going off. Um, Main issue we face is from time to time we suffer a pH crash and subsequent off-gassing of fumes from the spa. There is more common, uh, this is more common in the female spa. I believe I understand the most likely cause, however, I'm struggling to identify a suitable solution. From what I can work out, the following is the most likely situation leading to the sudden crash. The team tests the chlorine, pH, and t- total alkalinity in the morning. It's all fine. Day spa opens at 10 a.m. On opening, the girls come in and activate the blower, which is a highly aggressive aeration machine. They leave it running all day, as this is the instructions to them. Aeration starts a cycle of carbon dioxide blowing off. The pH starts to rise, normally getting to 8.2 or thereabouts. The ultraviolet is removing bromine as it cannot be stabilised. This combination... It did, yeah. Wait a minute. The, the, the UV is removing bromine? That's what, the, that's what it says. Did, did I hear that That's right? what it says. Okay. Um, I've right. got a bit of a All question right. about bit of a concern about that one as well. A combination of aeration mm. raising the pH and UV removing bromine creates a bromine demand. The ORP pH controller responds by opening the solenoid and introducing more bromine. 
Azobromine is acidic, cuts the total alkalinity, releasing carbon dioxide to be blown off by the blower. Depending on the day, the bathing load is sometimes higher to very high. The pools outside are managed loads in excess of 3,000 bathers per day in summer. That's really high usage. Yeah. And that's huge. This higher than normal load depletes the bromine, calling on the system to send more bromine in to cut more total alkalinity to be released into the atmosphere as carbon dioxide gas. I've already removed the acid dosing pumps that were originally installed to assist in reducing the total alkalinity cutting. This rather complex situation can result in a sudden and unanticipated bottom out of the total alkalinity with this drop to zero milligrams per litre, parts per million or lower. Come back to that as well. This is not always predictable, no. even with water testing four times a day, as the bathing load is not consistent. And to try and keep pH within reasonable control, we have to run TA at the lower end of the range. I'm now being asked to switch off the UV off to assist in reducing the possibility of bromate formation. That's my big concern with UV and bromine. Overall, I don't see an issue with this from a public health perspective. However, I am concerned that the UV reducing the bromine is part of our current pH management system. To assist with this, I've introduced boric acid to the male spa on a trial basis to see if I can get better pH behaviour. It's too early to tell if this is helping or not. In my mind, the only practical fix I can see that will allow us to maintain the bromine residual, hold the TA and reduce the pH will be to use carbon dioxide as the pH control chemical. My idea is to balance the carbon dioxide loss with the introduction of carbon dioxide. My concerns are twofold. And I've lost my place as I've changed sheets here. Uh, will I introduce so much as to make a potentially gaseous atmosphere locally? My second is that I cannot find any reference to this being done anywhere else in the world, so perhaps it can't be done. Uh, I've spoken to others who can't help. Um, uh, hoping perhaps there may be some other further insights you may be able to provide on how best to manage this, aside from sitting a junior in the plant room, taking water tests every 15 minutes. Thanks in advance. Have a good day. Kind regards, David. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. First things that stand out to me, we don't know the capacity, the volume of the spa, that or the spas. That would right. kind of be essential. Right. We don't know what the bather load is mm -hmm. in the spas other than it is high. If it's very high use, I would be concerned. I would be curious to know what the TDS is sitting at, and also mm. how frequently is the water being exchanged. Mm. Uh, for high use, I would right. probably start off right. with weekly, dumping the water weekly. Uh, particularly okay. if we're talking, mm -hmm. and it seems to be some type of medical application, um, you never know what. It, mm -hmm. There are people, probably. yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. You never know what bugs are being mm -hmm. introduced to the water. So the first, well, we can easily determine. We can easily determine how often the water should be exchanged because there is a yep. formula, um, a rough formula. Um, the number of gallons divided by three, then you take that number and divide it by the average number of users per day. Right. And so the resulting number is the number of days between complete trainings. I mean, this is pretty much you know standard CPO mm. stuff. Everybody who's known about this formula for a long, long time. And it seems to me that you know three thousand 
a day. Um, I don't know if that's an exaggeration or this is a damn big spark. Um, that, that seems really, really, really odd. He did um, say. And even if it were, say. Um, sorry, he did say the outdoor pool gets 3,000 people a day. We don't have a number on the spa that I picked. 3,000, yeah. okay. So if the outdoor one's an Olympic pool okay. and open to the public. Yeah, but I, I agree with that. Yeah, we, we don't know what the water replacement thing is. Mm. Yeah. Um, first thing he mentions is the... We also don't yeah. know. What We also don't know. There's more things we don't know. We don't know what the incoming parameters were, what's the incoming water yeah. is like. Okay. Because quite honestly, TDS, um, well, you, we know everything adds to TDS. Mm over the course of time. Uh, but the problem is for it to be that high um, tells me that the water hasn't been changed frequently also, because unless the TDS level incoming is high also, okay, the amount of chemicals they're putting into this water and the stuff that comes off of our body, stuff like that, you know, to, to attain a 3000 part per million TDS reading would take a, a year or longer. That's the statutory <laughs> maximum level. He doesn't tell us what, it, what okay. the measured level is. Okay, yeah. Because here in the States, it's it's um, uh, anything above 1,500 parts per million uh, above your incoming TDS level. Then that's, it'll be, that, that's when it's suggested to drain the water and refill it. But uh, there is no real maximum because everybody's got a, a different TDS incoming. Yeah. We, you know, it, it can vary. Like where I live, it's maybe 400 parts per million. You know, in, in parts of Florida and Texas, it could be a thousand. Um, some places have very little, if anything. So it's, it's really obviously going to depend. Um, let's see. Um, I'm scribbled down stuff. The other thing, too, is that we don't know what temperature Correct. the water is kept at. Yeah. We're assuming if, if it's a spa, it's going to be warm. It's yeah. going to be hot. Uh, and with testing wise, when he was ta- when you're reading his, his email, I would wonder if he's testing his water hot. Because if you test water hot, then you're going to screw up the test results because essentially you're cooking the reagents and you're going to get weird answers, weird results, wrong answers. So I've I've always made the suggestion, not suggestion, but it's like my demand. um, If you're going to test spa water, take your sample, but let it sit for a minute in a smaller container. It's going to go down in temperature very, very quickly. And then go ahead and test it. You know, like wait two or three minutes, then test it because you're going to get different answers. So we don't even know if the answers he's he's giving or the ranges or whatnot or even the test results are accurate. We, we don't know. We also don't know what he's using to test, whether he's using a test strip or whether he's using a wet chemistry kit or something electronic. We don't know. Okay, so unfortunately, we can only go by what he put in the email. So lots of unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. But you and I kind of both had our raised eyebrows on UV removes bromine. <laughs> huh? Um, that's a new one on me. Um, I have – I know that in my state, for example, bromine is not permitted mm-hmm. to be used in outdoor commercial aquatic facilities because sunlight will degrade it and it can't mm-hmm. be stabilized. My bigger concern with mm-hmm. the UV and bromine right. is the formation of bromates, which is carcinogenic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's my biggest, biggest concern with that one. Um, there was also a mention of, and let me find the page. Oh, while you're, while you're looking at it, one of the other things I wrote down, um, are we assuming that all of these spa locations are indoors? I'm assuming. 
but that isn't a complete assumption. Okay. So we don't know. Um, here in the States, um, there's something called ASHRAE. It's a, it's a acronym, but it's uh, basically they, they uh, recommend ex- fresh air exchange rates in certain mm-hmm. situations. And one of the things that they recommend is that there should be anywhere between four and six fresh air exchanges per hour in an enclosed environment, whether it's a pool or spot really doesn't matter. So I know he mentioned the ventilation was kind of wanky, but yeah, we don't know what the fresh air exchange rate is. So it could be that it's too low or non-existent. That's another reason that could be contributing to, to what he's describing. Uh, He did mention uh, somewhere in there, 10 liters uh, of air per square meter per second. Uh, I normally go by five cubic meters per minute. Which is the same as in okay. you know, right. public toilets okay. and so forth. It has to be. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the <clears throat> couple of concerns I also have are the DMH level. We don't know what that is. Um, okay, help me understand what you mean by DMH. DMH, let me... Because that's not something we test for here. No, it's not something I've ever tested for. It is... If my cheat sheet will let me look up the name because I can't remember how to say it without looking. Yeah, when you said DMH, the first yeah, the, when you said DMH, the first thing that came to my mind was dimethylhydantoin. That's the one, which is dimethylhydantoin, which is the end of what BCDMH yeah. is. So when you test for, if you're using BCDMH, that that form of bromine, you're testing all those components together, and there's really no way to separate it out unless you have very very sophisticated and very expensive testing equipment. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're talking like full-bledged lab kind of stuff, so I'm not sure what the DMH is referring to. Uh, that would have to be it uh, on the legislative framework, the following yeah. chemical parameters are required, and mm-hmm. DMH level maximum of 200 parts per million. But again, not something I've ever tested for. How do you measure I that? I have no idea. I was hoping you'd be able yeah. to tell me that. How do you measure that? Yeah, same here. Never, never heard of it before. No, not here in the states, at least. No, that's why I went, huh? Yeah, but we don't. We test for just simply bromine. Yeah. Yeah, and and we can't even segregate out. And this form of bromine, BCDMH, is bromochlorodimethylhydantoin. Yep. So chloro means there's a little bit of chlorine in there. Mm-hmm. We know this. Okay, it helps to regenerate the bromine cycle and things like that. We can't even segregate out unless we have very expensive equipment. The bromine versus chlorine values in that BCDMH combo. Yeah. Um, there used to be a couple of test kits out there by by Lamont and by Taylor um, decades ago that they used something called glycine to separate it out, but it was horribly unreliable, and both companies took it off the market in, in the mid-90s. So so uh, you can't even test for that. So how do you test for DM? DM uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not at that. So that's okay, but that's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I will mention that isn't mentioned in the que- in the question, what's the water clarity? Because if they're running it at mm. 100 Fahrenheit, 38 yeah. or 104, you're allowed in the US, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, for spas. Right, right, um, yeah. If they're running it up around the 400 calcium hardness, that water's going to be as cloudy as mm-hmm. you can imagine. Got to be. Yeah. Got to be because uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the codes are where you are, but here in the States for – uh, hot water environments, 150 to 250 is the ideal range for calcium hardness. Yeah. 
regular pool water temperatures, it's of course 200 to 400. So the reason it's lower is twofold. One, you don't have more calcium and cloudiness formation because we know the warmer the water, the more calcium comes out of yep. solution. Because calcium is technically a metal and, you know, soft metal, but it is a metal. And the other thing is, is that the lower the calcium, the less chance you have of any kind of scale formation or balance, water balance issues, things like that. So you're, so you're absolutely right. Um, you know, to have a calcium hardness reading that high, um, with the kind of bather load that he's been describing seems really, really weird. Yeah. <laughs> that things aren't adding up in line as they should. Yeah. But he also mentioned, um, uh, um, CO2 and, and, and if I talk too long, sorry. No, you I go apologize. for it. But with CO2, um, there, there's two things you got to be aware of. One, CO2 will lower pH. That's what it's yes. designed to do. And because um, um, it produces carbonic acid, and acid will lower pH, right? But the other problem is, is that, yeah, it lowers pH, but it raises total alkalinity. Right. Okay, so it kind of goes in an opposite direction, you know. It raises alkaline, lowers pH. So the only time I've ever recommended a CO2 system is when you have the situation where you have a high pH and a low alkalinity. It's not common, but it can happen. And so that uh, using a CO2 system is perfect because you're kind of killing two birds with one yep. stone. You're, 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 you're lowering the, the alkalinity. Actually, you're, you're, you're controlling the alkalinity, and you're also lowering the pH at the same time. Um, so that's another kind of... Mm thing in here and then he said he was using the thing i like he's what he said was that he's using boric acid yep. to help keep a handle on ph and and i'm a, a big proponent of, of the use of, of boric acid um um to to control ph we're finding here in the states that it's an excellent um add-on uh for especially for for pools or spas where ph is kind of difficult to maintain, difficult to control for whatever particular reason. So I like the fact that he said that, but he didn't say how much he's adding, what numbers he's yes. keeping, because you need to keep keep the forecast between 30 and 40-ish parts per million as best you can. So, yeah. Yeah. What else is he missing? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing, and he does hint towards this, the risk of adding a carbon dioxide system if any of that carbon dioxide is not properly dissolved mm -hmm. in the water and vents off the surface and there's poor ventilation in the room, asphyxiation mm -hmm. is a risk. Uh, mm -hmm. We've heard, uh, I'm, I'm sure Absolutely. you've heard those stories of uh, YouTubers and these online video people throwing dry ice into a spa or a pool for effect and then not only do they get asphyxiated mm -hmm. but also the people who then go to rescue them get asphyxiated. Uh, so I'd be mm -hmm. sorting out that... Uh, ventilation, pretty darn quick smart. Um, to say mm -hmm. that there can't be mm -hmm. any mechanical changes to the building, well, is it going to take a death before that happens? Uh, ventilation is yeah, paramount. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. And also, spas, whenever I think of bromine spas, I think of when I used to build spas years ago. And we had a showroom and there were a few of them there. Mm -hmm. and you'd open the door in the morning walk in there, it stinks in an enclosed environment with inadequate <laughs> ventilation. Uh, yeah. we, we actually put in a lot of extra exhaust fans for that very reason. So, uh, it's all over the place here. This, Sorry, not the question, my um, mm. uh, sheets with the various pages of question on it. Um, so, yes. bay the loads... 
high load depleting bromine, increased bromine demand. We get that. Uh, acid yeah. dosing pumps yeah. that are originally installed so, to assist in reducing. Yeah. So, so what's his ultimate question then? Is is it about the UV and bromine, or is turning off the UV going to, to going to somehow damage or do something to the bromine? I, I'm not quite sure what his actual question. is. I think is. it's the UV bromine question. I think there's the pH and TA control question. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, neither of those are going to kill someone as quickly as asphyxiating on carbon dioxide. Okay. Um, I've, that's a big right. thing for me. Um, boric acid he's got there. So they, he says, in my mind, the only practical fix I can see that will allow us to maintain the bromine residual, hold the TA and reduce the pH will be the carbon dioxide. Uh, he did mention that he turned off the original, sorry, removed the acid dosing pumps that were originally installed. Okay. How was he controlling mm-hmm. pH without the acid dosing pumps? Right. Uh, is that manual feed? Because if we're talking a thousand litres, what's that near enough to two fifty yeah. gallons on a in a small spa? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. What's he using to measure it? A thimble? No, uh, no, not it's easy. it's a tricky one to do manually unless your measurements are bang on and regular. Exactly yeah. right, and regular. And neither of which is happening in this yeah. case, or at least that's what he describes. Mm-hmm. If that was and now it's being asked to, to, the to me, yeah, was, now he's being asked to switch the UV off. The UV thing is, is still kind of, yeah, I would quite honestly, um, because the use of UV has a specific mm-hmm. purpose, it, at least here in the States, I would assume there too. And that's to help control the development or getting rid of and killing crypto. And um, and that's really the only thing it's really effective with um, because uh, crypto is uh, very resistant to chlorine, which means it's also resistant yep. to bromine, but not so much to, to UV. So a lot of commercial pools, the really, really big ones, we're talking 200, 300,000 gallons will have a supplemental UV system on there or two um, to, to control that. Some states here here in the U.S. actually mandate uh, the adding on a supplemental UV system. New York State is one of them uh, on the West Coast. I believe it's Oregon that, that says, yeah, you got to have, if you have so many gallons, you've got to have um, a supplemental UV system. So, um, yeah, it helps. Now, UV will degrade chlorine a little bit, not a lot. Okay, so obviously, since bromine's a halogen too, it's going to do a little bit of a number to bromine, but not dramatically so. So, using UV and something is is fine and good, but only if you're doing it for a specific purpose, and not to control bromine or not to change the chemical composition of bromine. Um, it's just used for crypto control and, and elimination, really. So, I would turn off the UV system, quite honestly, because I don't think it's really doing anything. At least it doesn't sound like it's doing anything. Um, that would be my recommendation, and just kind of leave it alone, unless it's unless it's like you mentioned earlier, mandated by by the local jurisdiction. Yeah. Uh, with the UV here, normally it's marketed anyway. Uh, I've never actually seen crypto mentioned in the marketing material, probably because they don't want to scare people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and big fancy words like crypto mm-hmm. tend to scare <laughs> a lot of people. Uh, it is often yeah. marketed as a yeah. um, 
basically to lessen the chlorine, the, the loading on the chlorine, make its job a lot easier by denaturing mm-hmm. certain microorganisms mm-hmm. and, and so forth. Uh, there's also claims that it reduces okay. chloramines. Um, I've heard that claim. I haven't seen any research on it, but yeah, I've heard yeah. that too. But again, it, it's not going to it, – that's not its primary Correct. focus, really, its primary job. The primary job is to, to eliminate crypto and any other bacteria that can be affected by it. But, uh, and if you have chloramines to begin with, you've got other yep. issues to deal with. That means you're not properly – you don't have enough free chlorine. You know, uh, so, yeah, there, there's little dominoes fall, falling in, in order about you know, w- w- what to do with this particular – Situation, but I, I, yeah, I do recommend uh, obviously getting rid of the UV system. It, I don't think it's worth. Agreed, it. especially with the bromates it's issue. Bang for the buck. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He's yeah. got the boric acid. Now, the boric acid at a proper dose should, I mm-hmm. won't say stop, but it should limit the upwards migration of pH. It will help control yeah. it. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah. Again, what dosage is it run at? What what? Concentration is the bromate. Uh, sorry, the boric acid. Yeah, in there. we don't know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know what I'd do if this was my spa I was looking after? I'd dump the UV system. Mm-hmm. I'd stick a couple of bloody exhaust fans mm-hmm. in there. Uh, I would reattach the mm-hmm. pH control, the acid feeders, mm-hmm. and I would just be yep. more diligent in keeping that total alkalinity up. Uh, that's not something that's easily automated. I, uh, I don't know even know if it's possible at all to mm-hmm. properly automate it. I have seen a couple of clunky not systems. Really, no. um, you, you put the reagent mm-hmm. into an auto tester. It could then conceivably mm-hmm. open a hopper that feeds, you know, granular uh, or powder form uh, bicarb mm-hmm. in there. But that's something really the CPO. And assuming it's a very low-use facility in Australia, or Western Australia anyway, we'd call that a Group 4 aquatic mm-hmm. facility, that needs testing daily mm-hmm. by a, a CPO or our equivalent. Mm-hmm. They should know how to how to right. correct total alkalinity. Uh, and I'd be concerned if they couldn't. Yeah, that's the keyword, should. Yeah. No. <laughs> and if there's a very high bather load, then it would go up mm-hmm. to Group 3 or possibly Group 2 aquatic facility, which need twice mm-hmm. a day or three times a day, testing accordingly. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with you. Everything you said, yeah. Yeah, so... And, and, and even suggest, you know, having him test the incoming yes. water, too. So at least he knows where he's starting. He's got a starting point. And, you know, maybe naturally from the source water, the alkalinity is a little bit on the high side. It, it, it happens. It happens here in the States. It varies all over the country. Um, but yeah, getting a handle on what he's working with from the get-go would be good. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Yep. Agreed <laughs> completely. Uh, but no, I'd, I'd be doing those things. Um, dump the UV, reinstall yeah. the acid feeders, get some fans in there, and mm-hmm. make sure your levels are right. But yeah. source water is a um, or fill water is a very very important thing as well. Mm. Absolutely, yes. And testing the water hot. And let it cool yes. down. Yeah. Let the sample water cool down. But yeah. uh, that's that's my two cents. 
No, I actually finger wagged at you. And didn't That's all right. That. <laughs> actually, I've noticed myself, especially in traffic a lot lately, when somebody's about to be a jerk on the road, I'll point my finger at the car and just go, no, as if I'm telling a dog not to stand up or something. And it's amazing. <laughs> like a dog. It's amazing how often it works. <laughs> they can't hear me. They can't see me. But no. It's, I'll stick with it. Maybe it's just in my head. <laughs> right. So thank you for your question, David. Uh, to everyone out there, please, we welcome your questions. We, we would love more topics. That's another uh, challenge we face here. Uh, we're now, I believe, over 300 episodes in on Talking Pools. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, new topics, <laughs> interesting experiences, things to discuss. We'd welcome them to talkingpools at gmail.com. Absolutely. And if you ever need to get a hold of any of the hosts, Peter, Shane, myself, or any of the others that are based in the States, again, go through talkingpools at gmail.com and we'll be more more than happy to to talk with you, figure out what's going on, help you, whatever you need. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, uh, tonight, this morning, whatever time it is for each of us. You have a fantastic day. Thank you. Good I to am. Up here. I'm finishing my beer and going to bed like a good boy. Alrighty, you take care. See ya. Take care. Bye bye. Hey everyone, Andrea here. Thank you for listening to Mondays Down Under with Peter and Shane on the Talking Pools podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, please let us know at talkingpools at gmail.com. Questions, concerns, uh, suggestions, anything like that. And again, don't forget to listen to our other shows and also, you know, leave us questions there as well. So thanks again. Have a great week. Bye-bye. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 